Good morning, Boker Tov, everyone. Hope everyone's doing well. I want to thank our generous Parsha series sponsors for the year, Becky and Avi Katzen, family sponsored the series in loving memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, Lila Nishmas, David Ben Menachem, Manish. This morning, Shir is also sponsored by our dear friend Hensha Gansberg in memory of her father, Irving Stone, whose Yerud side is Yud Shvat, and to whom we all have a debt of gratitude as we are learning from the Stone Chumash of uh, Arts Girl. So thank you to Hensha. Uh, who has moved to Israel, is doing wonderfully. Saw her recently and wish her uh, a lot of success and uh, good health. And also by Evelyn and Stanley Weiss in memory of Jean Ehrenberg, on her sixth year outside the 11th day of Shvat. Thank you so much to the Weisses as well. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Before we jump into the parasha, B'Shalach, page 366. We have the privilege of learning B'Shalach this morning. You see on your chairs a flyer reminder tonight. I hope everyone will be back. If you're here in person, it means you're comfortable being in person. You feel safe and secure being in person. And hopefully you'll be in person tonight. We have a night to celebrate Israel, a night of advocacy for Israel, a night of standing out and stepping up and using our voices for Israel. We have a phenomenal lineup, including greetings from Governor DeSantis, keynote speaker, Ambassador David Friedman, Ben Shapiro, and others. Uh, we are joined by the Latino Coalition for Israel. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of non-Jews registered who love and support Israel and give their time and resources to it with no ulterior motive. Join us tonight at 7 p.m. Come early as we will have uh, enhanced security this evening. It's at 7 p.m. If you are a member and you live locally, please consider walking. So we leave our parking spots for those who will need them. Again, that's at seven o'clock tonight. On the other side of the flyer, you see, next week we have the privilege of hosting an evening with Rav Moshe Weinberger. It's gonna be an incredible evening, a fantastically spiritually inspiring and uplifting evening. If you would like to join the host committee and be invited to a private reception with him and help support and enable us to host him, then please let us know. Okay, that's all the advertising for today. Page 366, Parshas Bishalach. Parshas B'Shalach. We're continuing the story of the Jewish people's exodus, of the miraculous redemption from Mitzrayim. That has stories and undertones not only for then, but lessons and messages for now. Parsha perspectives for today. That when we are in our own gullus, when we are suffering in our own exile, when we've lost our own identity and our own way, that we can tap into these ideas, these messages, and we can find our own redemption, our way out. We can step out from the darkness into the light. We find ourselves in those places of Mitzrayim, of Metzar, that it's constricted, that it's tight, that we feel as if we are uh, hopeless and helpless, that we too can be rescued and saved. Yeshua Hashem Karafayan, the Kosh the Almighty has a plan. Sometimes just get out of his way and let him do his thing and let him uh, get us to the promised land of where we need to be. Okay, page 366. Parsha begins, it happened when Paro sent out the people. What do you mean, Vayihi? Vayihi is a lotion of Simcha. What is the Vayihi? What's going on over here? So uh, Paro escorted us out. What does it mean, Paro escorted us out? It's the opposite. Vayihi is a lotion of avoy, of sadness. Paro is sad, he's escorting us out. What's going on? We've spoken all about that in the past. Kodesh Baruch Hu did not take us the most direct route. He did not take us out in the easiest or most direct fashion because Ki Karovu, Hashem said, What's going to happen? The people will reconsider when they see war, when they run into conflict, when they run into tension. There are people who see a wall and they run right through it. They go over it, they go under it, they go around it, but they will not be stopped 
from getting to the other side of it. And there are people, a slave mentality, a slave nation, a group of people who've been persecuted and oppressed, who when they run into that conflict and that tension, they don't have what it takes. They don't have the physical and they don't have the emotional and they don't have the spiritual fortitude and tenacity to run in or through or over or around. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu's word, They're going to go back. They're going to go back to Mitzrayim. Now you read this Pasuk, and we've again spent time on this in the past, not for now, but you can't help but ask and wonder, what do you mean, go back to Mitzrayim? 210 years! Slavery, persecution, torture, murder. You're going to go right back? How could it be? Who in their right mind would contemplate or entertain returning and going back to that life and to that lifestyle? And yet, do we not all go through that? Kikarofu. It's the easy way out. It's the easy way out. It's what's comfortable. It's what's familiar. It's what we know. We go back to habit and pattern. We go back to lifestyle choices. We go back to eating and we go back to sitting still and not exercising or moving. We go back to impatience and anger and arrogance. We settle right back into the pattern we knew, even though it tortures us, and even though it sabotages us, and even though it oppresses us, and even though it denies us success, kikarovu. It's close, it's familiar, it's what we know, it's what we intuitively and instinctively are familiar with, and it's what we do, and it's what we do. The author of Kelm weighs in on this. They saw miracles. They saw an experience they didn't read about, they didn't hear about, they didn't commemorate, they didn't memorialize. They experienced unprecedented and unparalleled miracles. The revelation of Hashem with ten makos, ten plagues. So now they ran into the 11th. They ran into a conflict. They run into tension. They see war. They don't believe, well, Hashem's gotten us this far. He's made miracle after miracle to get us here until now. So of course he's going to continue. Of course. What do you mean they turn around? So the altar of Kem says, You see, you see that in our own mind and in our own intellect, how easy it is to lose our way. The human mind and the human psyche in so many ways is so incredibly weak. And we need to know that. And we need to be prepared for that. And we need to be mindful of that. Never can or should any of us swell with arrogance that I got this. Not a problem. I've conquered it. I'm in control. The human psyche, the human mind is so weak, so feeble, so fragile, kikarovu, that when it's close and it's familiar, we can easily slip right back. So we think we've conquered. We've conquered that addiction. We've conquered that habit. We've conquered that instinct. And we think that we can move on, kikarovu. As long as it's close, as long as it's available, we can so easily slip right back. And that you see from Klal Yisrael. They'd experienced miracle after miracle. They had every reason to run as far away from Mitzrayim as possible and to rely and lean on Hashem. And yet, they remained vulnerable. This is a big uh, theme in the recovery world, in the recovery program. The moment you think you've conquered, the moment you think you've moved it into conquered territory and you're no longer on the battlefield, the moment you think I'm done, I'm in charge, I'm in control, is when you are the most vulnerable. It's when you are the most vulnerable. If a person hasn't really worked out the underlying cause 
of why they're going through that behavior, of why they're filling the hole in their heart with that substance or that acting out or that addiction, then the moment you run into hard times, the moment you run into tension, the moment something doesn't go your way, then we fall and slip right back into those old patterns. And that's why we see the recidivacy rate. We see people who repeat, sometimes egregiously, sometimes in a very large way, in a consequential way, and sometimes for all of us, it's small things. We go back to our old eating habits and patterns. We go back to our old reactions and responses. We go back to our old paranoia or anxiety because we haven't really worked it out. We're not really strong and we let down our guard and we let go thinking that we've conquered. That the wise person is always vigilant. The wise person is always on guard. The wise person never feels that they've arrived. But the fool, the fool lets go and moves on. The fool thinks that they are done. We have to be always mindful and cognizant, always aware and awake, always realizing the struggle is never over as long as we're alive and we're here on earth. Maybe we're doing better. Maybe it's less of an urge. Maybe we've developed better strategies how to overcome it, but we have to be vigilant. Kikarovu, as long as it's available and close, when we see milchama, what's milchama? It doesn't have to be a literal war. It means you go through a hard time. You had a hard day. It means that there's tension around you. It means there's people who are mistreating you. It means that you feel an injustice has been done to you. So you could, if you're not careful and vigilant, if you're not strong and prepared, we'll slip right back into those, into those patterns. Let's keep going. Next Pasuk. So Hashem turned them to the way of the wilderness. They went the route of Yamsuf instead of the most direct route. There's such deep messages, by the way, simple messages. You may be sitting here saying, tell me something I don't know. So far you haven't said anything great. They're simple messages, but they're deep and they're profound and they bear repeating over and over again. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took us a circuitous route. You know, Chachamim say, the Gemara says, the Balatanya emphasizes this. We'll quote Tanya a little bit later too, a beautiful insight of the Balatanya. But the Balatanya says sometimes the long path which is short or the short path which is long. The short path which is long means, you know, I, I, we can understand this in our time because we have ways, we have ways. My daughter picked me up at the airport yesterday. I said, put on ways to get home. She said, you don't know how to get home from the airport? How many years are we living there? I said, I don't understand. You got an eye in the sky that can tell you if there's traffic, if there's an accident, where the police are. As long as I leave Montoya Circle, I put on ways. You want to know. If you could have that information and that knowledge, why wouldn't you use it? But there are some stubborn people who still insist on not putting on ways and denying themselves information that could be helpful. I don't really get it. I don't really understand it. And then there are people who put on ways, and ways tells you to take some cockamamie route. It's happened to me, it's happened to you. You're zigzagging in side streets, you're going out of the way altogether. So there are two types of people. There are the people who say, in ways we trust. I've made the mistake of taking her on before. I was wrong. I'm going to listen. And there are people who say, ah, I don't know why it's sending me this way. Totally out of the way. I've driven this way a million times. I know exactly how to get there. And it's smooth sailing for three minutes. Then they get stuck in traffic that's not moving. It's a standstill. And who's smarter in the end? Why did you not listen to Waze? It's got, you're just looking from down here. All you can see is the street in front of you. Waze is an eye in the sky. It's got a higher perspective. It sees much further and farther. It's telling you what to do and what not to do. So what happens? Sometimes that kakamemi, out of the way, circuitous, long route, is a shorter way of getting there. And what looks like the shorter route, what looks like it's right in front of you and very close by, is going to take forever. It's very far. 
And that's what the Torah is telling us here in the beginning. That's what the Torah is telling us. Baruch took us this kakamemi, circuitous, out-of-the-way route. And anyone in the Midbar who had ways simply went on. You ever have a driver, you have an Uber or a taxi, but you put on ways on your own phone because you say, why are we going this way? So imagine you're in the Midbar and Hashem says, make a left, make a right, this is the way we're going. And some wise guy in the back puts on ways on their phone and says, I don't know who's running this show, but I don't know why we're going this way. It's a much more direct way to go. It's a much faster way to go. Kosh Baruch Hu, Lahav deals like ways. He says, yeah, you can go that short way, but it's much longer. Or you could take my long way and it's going to be much shorter. And this is a message, a lesson. It's a symbol of life. In life, sometimes it feels, why are we taking the circuitous route? Why did Hashem take me on the circuitous route to find my basher, or to have that child, or to earn that parnasa? Why did He take me on the circuitous route for whatever is my goal or my ambition or what I'm trying to do? Why are we going so out of the way? I see a direct path, so why are we going so out of the way? So we need to know sometimes, sometimes the circuitous route is the most direct fashion. And sometimes if you try to make a shortcut and you try to go that short way, it'll take you out of the way and be forever. Kodesh Baruch was doing this for the sake of Kal Yisrael here. It seems circuitous and out of the way, but it was the most direct route. And we use the Lashon, Vayasav Elokim. Vayasav, what does the word Vayasav mean? Vayasav. Vayasav is he turned us out of the way. What is that reminiscent of? Where do we commemorate that notion of Vayasav? Shmos Rabbah, the Medrash on our Pasuk says, Mikan Amr Rabbah, Seinu, Afilu Ani Shebi Yisrael, Lo Yochal Ad, Sheyasav. Even the most indigent, poor, impoverished person cannot eat on Seder night until they're reclining, until they're lying down. In other words, we come to the Seder table, and the Seder table is set with our fine china and our silver. It's beautifully set, and we lie there with our cushions and our pillows, and we dress in our finest, and we sit like princes and princesses and aristocracy and royalty, and Vayasav Haseba, there's a mitzvah of Haseba, who's obligated in Haseba, Nashim Chashuvos, significant, dignified women, all of our Nashim Chashuvos. Do you do Haseba in front of your Rebbe, not in front of your Rebbe? All kinds of halacha and halachic discussion of Haseba. Classic brisker lumdus. Is Haseba a din in Dalit Kosos, or is there a parallel separate mitzvah altogether? Is it that the way you drink the wine is while reclining, and if you don't recline, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah of drinking the wine? Or no, drinking the wine is a mitzvah, and independent, but parallel to it, there's a mitzvah to drink it while reclining. A whole chabura, lamdas, nafkaminas, you can give, not for the parsha shir and parsha b'shalach. Why am I bringing it up? Because Reb Zeydel Epstein, we've been quoting a lot from Reb Zeydel Epstein. Reb Zeydel Epstein, sometimes you didn't even know someone, you never heard of them, but when you start learning the Torah, you feel such a connection, their Torah speaks to you. His Torah speaks to me. Mashkiach of Yeshiva's Torah or... So he has a sefer called Ha'aros, two volume. This doesn't come from a sefer, it comes from the Sitcha Elyon, which quotes from Kisfei Talmidim. It comes from the notes of his students. You see, it's important to take notes, students to take notes. Sometimes that's what preserves the original thoughts of teachers. So he said the following incredible Yisod. Why do Chazal connect Haseba Vayasev? Just a cute play on words. Hashem took us a circuitous route, Vayasev. So a cute play on words. It's the same Shoresh, Haseba. So Mikan, from here we learn that just like Hashem took us out of the way, so too, even the Ani. Oh, why does the Mishnah Psachim say even the poor person has to do a Seba? Because I might have thought, who should do a Seba? If your income level's over a certain bracket, that's you do a Seba. If you can afford it, if you drive a certain type car, if you wear a certain type clothing, then you could recline like a rich person. Because Taka, you're a rich person, your net worth testifies that you're entitled to recline. 
but you're on Tom Shabbos. Your children are getting scholarship at school. You're on the shul's dues adjustment. You need a little help and a little handout. Who are you fooling? You're going to sit at the Seder table and you're going to put on your kittel and you're going to recline and you're going to lean and you're going to say, I'm a rich man. In your own mind, who are you fooling for that night? Who are you fooling? What a charade. So no, the Mishnah says, I feel only should be Israel. I don't care if you don't know where Pesach lunch is coming from. All you have is the Seder. That's all you know. It doesn't matter how poor, how indigent you are. Seder night, all are equal. Seder night, you are a rich man. Seder night, you recline with everyone else. And where do we learn that from? To which Rav Zayd Lepshin says, Huh? That's where you learn that from? Beautiful idea. Beautiful Pasuk. One has nothing to do with the other. What do you mean that's where you learn it from? Where do you see that from here? So listen to what he says. Yishkan Yisod Atzum. There is an incredible, incredible principle. Madu'a Nitzrach HaKadosh Baruch Lahasev is Yisrael. Why did Hashem have to take us out of the way? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is an amazing insight. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have screamed at them and said, Hey, man up! I've done miracles for you, you bunch of ingrate, non-stop complainer, miserable, fabisana icefarfs. Listen, man up! You've seen miracle after miracle after miracle, ten of them, and now you're going to fetch and complain and not trust me? Now you're afraid and you're worried? Seriously? Seriously? As my son Shai would say, seriously? If I'm the Rebona I did 10 I've suspended the rules of nature. Never done it before, we'll never do it again. You saw it, you lived it, you're the beneficiaries of it. And now you're worried and complain, and I've got to coddle you and take you out of the way, instead of smacking you, figuratively, and saying, and saying, what are you kidding me? Seriously? But Kosh doesn't do that. He doesn't say, what are you worried about? Why are you afraid? Man up. You've seen miracle after miracle. Don't you know by now? You have no reason to be afraid. Kodesh Baruch says, I want you to teach you something. We're going to take a circuitous route. And everything you go through in life, every challenge, every obstacle, every moment of tension, every time you wonder why, <coughs> why do I have to experience this? I sit and I wonder why. Why is the world doing this to me? Why are evil, wicked people doing this to me? Why is nature doing this to me? Why? Why is this my route? Why is this my journey in life? Why? You need to know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a plan. You think that whatever you're going through, whatever tension, whatever obstacle, whatever someone's put in your way, whatever the world, whatever nature's put in your way, you think it's there to stop you, to slow you down, to make you go backwards, it's the opposite. This is a curriculum of education for you. You're going to learn, you're going to be tested, and you're going to realize something in yourself that you otherwise never would have come to know. You're going to have a moment, a growth spurt. This is what you need. This is by design for you. It couldn't and wouldn't happen if Hashem didn't will it. And for whatever reason, you need to go through it because this is going to raise you up. We don't understand it now, necessarily. You see, on ways, when you ignore ways, and then you're sitting in standstill traffic, or you thought you knew the best route, so you went the way you always went, and then you find yourself sitting and stuck and now late and agitated, and now you put on ways. And you go, oh, oh I see that 200 feet in front of us, there was an accident. 
The car stalled. And if we would have just gone around the block, we would have been at the wedding on time. Instead, we'll be sitting here for an hour till it's cleared. Why? Because we didn't go on ways. So in this world, we have the benefit of going on ways. I don't, I don't get a piece of ways, by the way. I don't get a cut. I don't get any action from it. I get nothing from it. I'm just a big fan. I'm a big fan of embracing the gifts that we've been given. So in this world, you get to go on ways and you get to see, oh, this is why I'm stuck. And that's why it sent me on that way. And if I go on that way, I can avoid that issue. And really, this was for my own good. In this world, we get to live that way. And in real time, in real time, you can go on and see and learn and understand. In life, it's not so simple, unfortunately. In life, in real time, you sit and you wonder, why? Why am I not moving? Why am I stuck? Why am I in this fender bender? Why did someone hit me? Why am I hurting? Why am I going through this? In life, we sometimes get stuck, but we need to equally be confident and know that maybe it'll be in the next world, maybe in this world, we'll understand, oh, this was the fastest route. Kirsch Baruch did this for me. This is what was meant for my good, my benefit. This was a growth spurt. The poor person sits and reclines that night because the poor person says, I'm rich in my poverty. If this poverty was meant for me, if this challenge of poverty is what I have to go through because it's what was meant for me, then I am rich in that I'm experiencing it. And where do I know that from? Where did I learn that from? How can I be so confident that this circuitous route, how can I be so confident that going through this experience of getting out of the way in life, of feeling like it's taking forever, that really that's what's right for me? That's how we learn it. The poor person sits like a rich man that night because even in the experience of poverty, and poverty doesn't just mean with money, there's all kinds of other poverty. I think I mentioned it last week. I don't remember if it was in the Parsha Shir or another Shir. But I mentioned the quote that I love. The Nebuch, there are some people who are so poor that all they have is money. There are some people so poor that all they have is money. There are billionaires who are poor, indigent, impoverished individuals. And there are people who don't know where their next meal is coming from who are rich and who are wealthy, who have happiness and satisfaction, who have nachas and health, who have a perspective and an attitude. You could have nothing and be wealthy. You could have everything and be poor. So the Ani that night, who struggles with poverty the rest of the year, comes on Pesach Seder night and sits down and reclines. Not because it's a charade, not because they're faking, not because they're going through motions, but because for that night they realize that this poverty, this root of poverty, is my wealth. Someday maybe I'll understand how or why, and if I won't, it's still true nonetheless. And how can they have that confidence and how can they know that? Because Vayasav Elohim. We learn it from Vayasav Elohim. Parak Yudalit, Pasuk Yud Gimel. Turn the page. Paros change of heart. Taber ben Yisrael ve'yashuv ve'yachinu l'fnei piachiros ben migdol ben ayam. Speak to the children of Israel, let them turn back. L'fnei ba'al tzifon yichos ha'chanu al-ayam. V'amar par l'fnei Yisrael nebuchimim ba'aret sagar al-ayam ha'midbar. Paro will say of the children of Israel, they're imprisoned in the land, they've been locked in, despite being smacked ten times, despite losing his own firstborn, despite seeing his own country incredibly, incredibly uh, devastated, Paro nevertheless, his heart is hardened, and he chases, Again, the Torah doesn't leave it as a, you don't have to guess, tells us itself. Why did Hashem orchestrate this? 
Why would Hashem harden Paro's heart to make him be a madman, to do something that's actually insane? After being smacked 10 times, after suffering and struggling, after being on the brink of an implosion of your own empire, to continue to chase the Jewish people even now? Why? Why? Because I want them to know. I continue to want to educate them with this curriculum. I want them to know. Okay, keep going. Next page. So they're, they're chasing them. And Klai Yisrael panic. They panic. Again, despite everything they've been through, they panic. And our rabbis are critical of them for this. David HaMelech and Tehillim Parakovov is critical of them for this. A lack of gratitude, a lack of mindfulness. A lack of mindfulness. Avuseinu b'mitzrayim lo eskilu. David HaMelech says, Kapitel Kovov, 106, Pasuk Zion, he says, Our forefathers in Egypt, they weren't mindful. That's an indictment of the Jewish people in Mitzrayim. They weren't mindful. What's the indictment that they weren't mindful? You just had a miracle happen to you. And now you're panicking already? Why didn't you learn from it? Why didn't you grow from it? Why didn't you gain confidence from it? Why didn't it change you? Why aren't you transformed by it? You're not mindful? And you know Chazal tells us that they come out the other side of the Yabsif and you know what Yisrael say? Az Yashir Moshe. Yeah, they thanked him. We're going to get to that in a moment. They thanked Hashem. But you know what else they said? Hashem, you couldn't have done this without making my shoes muddy. Actually, that's what they say. You couldn't have done this without making my shoes muddy. Seriously? Seriously? If you're the rebound, seriously? I just split the sea, 12 columns. You walked right through it on dry land. Then you watched it collapse and drown your oppressors. And then their money washed up. Their Bitcoin came into your hand. And you're worried about your shoes? Seriously? Seriously? It's like someone has a heart attack on the side of the road. A person comes and rips open their shirt and does CPR and gives them mouth to mouth and gets back a heartbeat. And the person opens their eyes and says, my shirt? It's my favorite shirt. Really? You couldn't unbutton it? Seriously? So David HaMalach says, You know what? Our forefathers, the Dordea, is a lot to learn from them. But they weren't mindful. They were anxious and they panicked and they were ungrateful and they didn't appreciate. And that's what they took out of this was they were complaining about the mud on their shoes. Seriously? This shear has been brought to you by the word seriously. Seriously? It's, it's mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling. So they panic. They panic. And they begin to complain. And we've talked about this at length in the past. We're not going to get into it right now. I could paint the picture for you because we could imagine it until today. Everybody on the bank of that sea is sitting and talking and criticizing. Why would you take us here? I wish you had gone the other way. I told you to go the other way. I told you to turn on 1010 winds and find out if you take the West Side Highway or we should take the FDR drive. I knew it. There's always trap. They're fighting. Should have gone this way. Should have gone that way. We should have nef- lef- never left Mitzrayim. Remember, 80% stayed in Mitzrayim. Chamishim alum Israel. Which is mind-boggling. Are you kidding? How could it be 80% of Kuala Yisrael didn't get it? It's an unfathomable statistic. They didn't get it? One-fifth left. 20% left. It's it's an unfathomable statistic. Except the question is we have to ask ourselves, are we in the 80% or the 20%? Kersh Baruch has opened up Eretz Yisrael. Actually, technically, even opened it up again now for us. And we're still sitting here in Gullus. Are we in the 80% or the 20% who aren't leaving? Something to think about. But it's not just true physically, it's true metaphysically. It's true metaphysically. There's an Erev Rav Bizman When people create campaigns and you get messages from all over and you realize how many people were disturbed in their thinking. 
How many really troubled people don't get it about Hashem, about His Torah, about life? You know? It's amazing that 20% get it. It's a, it's a miracle that 20% left. They believed. They took that leap. They understood. They got it. It's depressing. It's depressing. So they panicked. They panicked. And they started to debate. And they started to point fingers. And they started to blame. And one person actually got it. Nachshem ben Aminado starts to walk. But before that, before that Hashem turns to him, Pasuk Yudgim, when he says, Vayomer Moshe la'am alti ra'u, hisyatsu ruas Yeshua Hashem ha'shiyasa lachem ayom. Kodesh Baruch Moshe turns to the people and he says, alti ra'u, don't fear. What are you, crazy? Do you know what you experienced, what you lived, what you know, what you should believe, what you should be the poster people of, and yet you're standing here panicking? Alti ra'u, don't fear. Hisyatsu, stand up, ruas Yeshua Hashem. And see the salvation of Hashem. That He's going to do for you today. Because what you see of Egypt today, you will never, ever see them again. So stop being afraid. And man up. Woman up. Stand up. Arch your back. And be worthy of the salvation of Hashem. Because don't worry, what you see here today, He's not going to see again. Hashem's going to fight for you. Hashem's going to fight for you. You don't have to lash out. You don't have to fight back. You don't have to respond. Stay quiet. You stay quiet. Hashem's got it. He doesn't need your help. Your job, stay quiet. Your job, stay quiet. Let him do his work. Hashem says to Moshe, What are they doing davening and screaming at me? What are they panicking about? So again, we're not going to get into this now. But this is the, the motto or the bumper sticker for the idea of hishtadlis, of effort. You can't sit on your couch and say, I want someone to drop off a paper bag of cash. I believe in Hashem, I don't have to work. No, you got to do hishtadlis. If you're sick, you can't say, I'm just going to sit and say to him and not go to the doctor. If you go to the doctor, Hashem created medicines, and vaccines, and therapies. Kodesh Baruch gave us the tools in order to be a creator world where we can heal and we can help ourselves. And it's a counterfeit false emuna. Again, this passage deserves a lot of attention. What do you mean, matitzake lie? If I'm Kali Yisrael, I say, I am so confused. I'm so confused. I've been listening to five years of Siddur snippets and I thought we're supposed to daven. What do you mean I should stop davening and start doing? What happened to all Tehillim circle and Tehillim group and the Amen group and the Bracha group and the Siddur snippet group? And the, what do you mean? I don't understand. Aren't I supposed to daven? Aren't I supposed to be taught that whenever I run into trouble, my instinct should be to open a Tehillim, open a Siddur, use the words of David Melech and David. Now Hashem says, close the Tehillim, close the Siddur. What are you doing? Matatzakelai. You saw, start walking. What are you doing? What are you doing? So this balance of Hishtadlis and Amuna, when do you open the Siddur and when do you close the Siddur? There's a lot to say. We have said it in the past. I'm tempted to go back there, but I'm not going to right now. Instead, let's look at Tzvasemes. says something wonderful. As he always does, his yard site was just this week. You think Moshe Rabbeinu was just telling them then? This was not a message for Klai Yisrael thousands of years ago on the banks of the sea. It's a message to you and to me. It's a partial perspective for today. Whatever you're going through, health-wise, relationship-wise, parnasa-wise, whatever you're going through in life, don't be afraid. Stand up strong. 
have a backbone, have a spine, have pride, have dignity. And you'll see Hashem's going to come through. Hashem's going to come through. Does that mean every sick person heals? No. No. Never tell a sick person, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. It's a horrible thing to say. You don't know. Don't give false hope. Only a Kurdish Baruch Hu knows whether everything's going to be okay. We know that by definition, everything will be okay. Because that's Kurdish Baruch Hu's will for us, even if it's not okay. Even if a person does not recover from that illness. But nevertheless, Atira, we have nothing to be afraid of. We have nothing to fear. So it says this Fasem is the following. Atira, the first you sowed here, this is a curriculum for Amuna. You ready? Just in this Pasuk alone. Says the Sfas Emes, Al tirau lo lefachid mehayetzer shemenas levavas ha'adam metalba svekos. Al tirau means don't listen to your yetzahara, which is trying to introduce doubt and uncertainty and fear. That's what the yetzahara specializes in. Maybe this won't work out. What if this is for the bad? What if this will happen? What if this will occur? What if this will result? What if this will? That yetzahara is trying to convince you the what if game, the anxiety game, the anxiety game. Yitzhar introduces all kinds of doubts and uncertainties and question marks and worry and fear. What are you doing, Alti Row? Do what you have to do, get enhanced security for the event, and that's it. Once you've done what you have to do, you're good to go. Ha'isod ha'sheni, hisyatzvu. Ha'kavana b'zeh svasama says, like the Ravid writes in the Hakdama the Bala Nefesh. The Ravid, the Ravid, the great uh, adversary of the Rambam. The Ravid as a Sefer Balaya Nefesh. He didn't only write his Asagas in the Rambam. He had this forum, one of them called Balaya Nefesh. And he writes in the introduction to a Sefer there, Balaya Nefesh. He says, That his book, his work called Balaya Nefesh, Balaya Nefesh means those who contain a soul. He says, You know who, for whom my book is written? My book is targeted for. To those who control their consciousness and not to those whose consciousness controls them. It means isyatsu. Have a spine, have a backbone, be firm, be in control. Be in control. Number three. If you don't panic or fear, but you live in the moment and you quiet that voice of doubt and uncertainty, and his yatsu, you stand up straight with a backbone and a spine, with pride, with dignity, with honor, with confidence, then, then you can long to see that, that salvation. Then you can long to see that, that salvation. This is the one way, The only way to succeed in life is to realize that we can't succeed on our own. The only way to succeed is to submit to a higher power. The only way to succeed and have a spine and have confidence in anything is to attach ourselves to the one who is in control, to the one who is in charge, to the one who can make us whole. That is our, that is our mission. Chovas Halvavos writes this, Ibn Bachi Ibn Pekuda. He says, The strength of the Yitzhar is to try to confuse us and complicate things that really should be simple. Try to bring us down and introduce doubt. Try to make us panic and weir- worry. He writes, Ben Adam Roy Lachal Adas, Sanacha Gadash Yeshlacha Baolam, Atayashela Vu Erlacha, Atamis Alamimenavu Enamis Alamimcha. Your biggest enemy in the world is not making videos or posting messages or offering threats. Your biggest enemy in the world is not the corn chips and the potato chips. Your biggest enemy in the world, your biggest enemy in the world 
is in your own consciousness. It's in your own mind. The biggest enemy that we battle and face are not external to us, are not the forces that oppose us. But the biggest enemy, writes Rebbein Abachia, is that while we're sleeping, it's awake. And when we ignore it, it's paying attention to us. It is constantly at work trying to introduce doubt where we were certain. It's trying to offer, it's trying to offer confusion where we were clear. It's playing with our mind. So stand up, have a backbone. Be clear. Be absolutely clear. Be clear. Have clarity. Have clarity. I was davening last night over something late at night. A decision I had to make about how to deal with something. So Hashem, I just want clarity. Just help me have clarity. Just give me the confidence. It could go this way. It could go that way. It could argue for either side of what's the right thing to do. Just give clarity. And then I saw something inside. Hashem Kodesh Baruch sent me a message. Maybe we'll get to it. I said, oh, there it is. He just gave me clarity. I slept like a baby. I woke up strong, like a lion. His yatsu. could have a backbone. Have a backbone. Don't be a jellyfish. I, why shouldn't you be a jellyfish? Whatever the world's throwing your way, it should make you want to cower, hide under the bed. Be a jellyfish. The answer is, don't be afraid. Atiru, his yatsu. Stand up, have a backbone, have a spine, have confidence. Why? Because you believe, because you know. Nothing is chance, nothing is random, everything's by design, everything's from Hashem, everything's for a reason, everything's a message. This is all part of the circuitous route. It's all part of the out of the way. It's all part of the long journey, which Hashem in His infinite wisdom for some reason believes, not believes. Hashem in His infinite wisdom knows that this is the shortest path, that this is the way forward, that this is what we have to do. Rab Nachman, not surprisingly, has something to say about this too. Where's Rab Nachman? Where'd he go? There he is. He says the following. There's a word which keeps repeating itself in this Pasuk. Listen to this great Reb Nachman. Listen to this great Reb Nachman. Moshe tells the Baal don't worry. Yisiatsu, stand still. Why? See Yeshua's Hashem the salvation. Asher lachem that Hashem will do for you. When? Hayom. Today. Because you see the Egyptians when? Hayom, today, you're not going to see them again. So what's with the Hayom today? Okay, we know it's today. It wasn't yesterday. It's not tomorrow. It's today. Why do we keep repeating the word today? Today, today, today. Twice in this Pasuk Hayom. I got it. I knew it was today before you said it was today. And once you said it was today, I don't need you to say it a second time. So why does the Pasuk repeat the word Hayom? Says Rab Nachman, a critical yesod of living life is being in today. I just walked somebody out of Shiva before the year. Somebody who lost their wife. Somebody who lost their wife, the life partner. Somebody who defined their life the last several years by caring for her entire life. And I say this to everyone, walk out of Shiva, Rahman I say, right now your mind is racing. How are you going to transition your entire life, your entire day, your entire everything was caring for that other? You only know them as your other half. Anisha Mesa Alabaila, Chazal understood the most devastating loss is to lose your other half, another piece of yourself. How will you carry on? How will you redefine yourself? What will tomorrow and next week and next month 
What will your children, your grandchildren's simchas look like? What will be? And how will you retire? And where will you go? And what's going to happen on Pesach? And what's going to... Your mind is taking you there. Your job is to get to the end of today. Every day as a Rav, you confront real problems. Not the Narashkite problems that I'm alluding to this whole year, which are Narashkite of Narashkite. It's people with real problems. Real problems. Challenges to fertility and to pregnancy and to shalom bias and to children. Real health problems. Real mamish real, pro- real problems. Real problems. And what happens? Your mind wanders. What will be? What's going to happen? Will this child ever get married? Will they ever graduate school? Will this pregnancy result in a healthy baby? What will be? Says Rabbi Nachman, that's the Yitzhahara working. The Yitzhahara is trying to make you forfeit the moment to start thinking about tomorrow. Our mission, our job as Jews is Hayom, to be in today, to get to the end of today. What do I need to do today? What's my job today? What do I have to get done today? And when our mind, when those thoughts knock on the door and say, let me in, to start thinking about next week and next month and next year and next, de- next decade, no, I'm not letting it in. Because that doesn't get me anywhere because de- that time has not yet arrived. There's nothing I can do about it. My only job is today. If you start thinking about the future, now again, it doesn't mean Reb Nachman and I are not against planning for the future. Of course we're for planning for the future. We learn from the past and we live in the present and we have an eye to plan for the future. I'm not suggesting, well, I don't, I don't save any money because I went to the Parshashir and they said, don't think about tomorrow, just spend today. That's not what I'm saying. You should buy health insurance and disability insurance. You should save for retirement. Of course you have to have an eye to the future. But we can't get lost in the fear and the anxiety and the worry about the future. Because then it becomes overwhelming. It becomes a burden that you'll collapse under. And you'll have yeish. You have despair. But if all you put before you is today, you'll, you'll benefit these are not Rav Nachman's words, Likuti Moran has it, but differently, but this beautiful new sefer that we've been learning, Shulchan HaShabbos, the teachings of Rav Nachman based on the parasha. If you're able to not get lost in the future, but be present in today, then the first benefit you'll have is that you're not worrying and you're not afraid. When you spend today worrying about tomorrow, there are two problems. Number one, you're worrying about tomorrow, it's not here yet. And number two, all that time and energy that went into worrying about tomorrow, you forfeited and you surrendered today. <laughs> you lost today. So you were a miserable lunch date. You were a miserable person to be spending time with. You were a miserable colleague or coworker or spouse because instead of enjoying today, instead of getting done what you need to get done today, instead of being present today, you were debilitated by tomorrow. So you didn't help anything about tomorrow and you lost today. But if you could live in the Hayom, and this is a big drasha later in Sefer Dvarim. You see the word Hayom is repeated over and over and over again throughout all Sefer Dvarim. And Rabbi Nachman says in the Pasuk, Hayom im bekolos is a Pasuk in Tehillim. Hayom im bekolos Hayom. That if you live Hayom, bekolos you'll hear Hashem's voice. If you're lost in tomorrow, if you're thinking about tomorrow, then you're going to miss today. You won't hear Hashem's voice today. Hashem is speaking to us each and every day. We have the ability to hear Him today if we're present in today. The Gemara Sanhedrin Tzadiches quotes this pasuk and it tells a story of Yeshua ben Levi who ran into Mashiach in the Shuk and he said, when are you coming? And Mashiach said, Hayom. 
So Rabbi Shubin Levi ran around so excited. Hayom! Told the whole world. Posted online, Mashiach's coming today. And then today passed and it became tomorrow. Mashiach didn't come. And he came with a complaint. And he said, what happened? Where were you? So Mashiach said, no, no, no. Hayom in Bikolo Seshma'u. I didn't tell you I was coming today. I was telling you how to bring me. And the way to bring me is Hayom. If you live in the moment, if you live in the day. Hayom in Bikolo Seshma'u. And that Reb Nachman, Reb Nassim writes in the Kutei Alachos, Im Yargelo Adam is Atman Alachas Bederach, Shahora Reb Nachman, Malachshav Kilo Enlacha Ela Hayom, Az Yigom Mikol Tzarasav. This is the secret to success, to happiness, to tranquility, to peace of mind. If we're able to not live in tomorrow, but to live today, then you can live with Menuchas HaNefesh. If we're able to experience with tranquility, with serenity, with peace of mind today, if we can be present in today, if we can do what we need to do to get to the end of today, and that's what it means. It's Yatsu Ruiz, Yeshua Sashem, Asher Yasa Lachem, Hayom. Hashem is going to get done for you today what you need to get done today. Ah, but what about tomorrow and next week? And what about the bigger problem? And what about the next problem? Relax. Hayom. His Yatsu Ruiz, Yeshua Sashem, Asher Yasa Lachem, Hayom. Kesher Isam is Mitzrayim, Hayom. Losusifu Lirosim Od Ar Olam. If you can live in today, you'll never see them again. Because you need to get done, we need to get done. What is our mission? What is our responsibility? Hayom for today. For today. Okay. I was going to go through Az Yashir. But the truth is, I can refer you. If you listen to many, many, many sitter snippets on Az Yashir, then you can have everything in Parashat Pesat Shalach. We went through word by word Az Yashir in sitter snippets many moons ago. I'm not sure exactly what number to tell you it is to find it. But if you go all the way back, we spent many, 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 many sitter snippets on Az Yashir, word by word, line by line, sentence by sentence. What does it mean? What are we supposed to be thinking? I'll just tell you what the Zohar says. Zohar says, Omer ba, If you say Az Yashir every day, and you say it with Simcha, then you'll merit to sing it in the world to come. Sefer Haredim adds that if you sing Shira with Simcha, then you'll be forgiven and you'll experience redemption just like the Jewish people did in Egypt. And that's why we end Pesukah de Zimra. We turn to Kabbalah Salmach Hashemayim Shema with Az Yashir. We quote the Shira of our Parsha and we sing it. We don't just say it. Every day, B'Simcha. You should look around Shul and you should see a smile on every face during Az Yashir. Because just like the Jewish people then, they were worried and they panicked for nothing. Don't be afraid. His Yatsu have a spine, have a backbone. Stand up. Uru es Yeshua Hashem. Atem tacharishun. Be quiet. Be silent. Don't answer. Don't respond. Hashem yilachem lachem. Hashem's got it covered. He's going to fight. So be besimcha, have a smile, have a joy, have the capacity to laugh, to be besimcha, to be besimcha. Vayosh Hashem ayom ha'osyom yad Mitzrayim. Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. What should it say? He saved us not from Mitzrayim. He didn't save us from America. He didn't save us from Iran. He saved us from the Iranians. It should say miyad Mitzrayim. Why does it say miyad Mitzrayim? We've all been saying those words every day. Every time I say an insight, Siddur snippets that I didn't know before, I say, this is why Siddur snippets is worthwhile. Not because I'm saying anything, I'm quoting all these other incredible interpretations. We're saying these words every day. In the case of many of these words, three times a day. Shouldn't we just understand it? Isn't it worthwhile to understand it? So, Vayosha Hashem Bayamahu, Hashem saved us on that day. It says, Vayosha, not Vayazor. Yazor means He helped us. Yosha means it was all Him. He saved us. He saved us. Bayomahu on that day, by the way, what do you see again? Bayomahu. <laughs> Hayom. On that day. Tomorrow he'll save us again tomorrow. 
And the next week there'll be another salvation that we need. But for today, Bayomahu, Rab Nachman, today. Just get to the end of today. From whom did he save us? I would have thought it should say Miyad Mitzrayim, but it doesn't. It says Miyad Mitzrayim. Why? Rabbi Salavichik says because it wasn't just the Egyptians that the Jews had to be rescued from. They had to be rescued from the culture of Egypt. You could take the Jew out of Egypt, but could you take Egypt out of the Jew? So when Akadosh Baruch Hu saw, when Klai Yisrael saw the Mitzrayim drowning in the sea, at that moment it wasn't only that physical oppressor that they were rescued from, but they were rescued from an entire nation, a people, a culture, an empire, an idea. It wasn't just Miad Mitzrayim, it was Miad Mitzrayim. It was Miad Mitzrayim. Vaya Yisrael. What do you mean Vaya Yisrael? How did they see Vaya Yisrael? We know, we have many psukim and chazal tell us, you can't see Hashem and live. When Moshe says to Hashem, show me your face, why do bad things happen to good people? Hashem says, you can't, you can't see me and live. And now we say, ah, Vaya Yisrael, no, the Jewish people saw him. How could it be? So Fasamas points out, they didn't see him. What does the Pasuk describe that they saw? Vaya Yisrael S. Hayat Hagdola. The closest we can come to seeing Hashem is to see His guiding hand. Is to look back and understand events the way they unfolded and say, wow. Wow. His guiding hand in our family narrative and story, in our collective narrative and story. Understand and study the Six Day War. Understand and study the story of a community. Understand and study our own family narrative and history. Understand and look back at our own life and say, wow, that secured his root, but look where it got me. And now I understand or it seems to make sense how it worked out that way. So, Hayat Agdullah, our mission, our job, our responsibility is to go see and identify and then to sing about the Yad Agdullah. You can't see Hashem directly, Sfasem says. The closest we see is His dominion, His providence. We see and we feel. And by the way, when you see and feel that guiding hand, you've seen Hashem. Then you've seen Hashem. And you sing as a result. And not only do you sing as a result, Slavichik points out, the most famous Pasuk, arguably Vaz Yashir, from which we learn the whole institution of Hidra Mitzvah. Zekeli van Veyu. They stood on the other bank of that sea. They saw the Egyptians drowning. They saw the spoils washing up. Everything made sense. It all became clear. Everything came together for them in that moment. And what was their reaction? They pointed, Zeh! Zeh, this is Asha. I love him. Tell the whole world the story. You have a WhatsApp, a Muna. You have a Hashkacha Pratis group. You tell everybody, tell your friends are sick and tired of hearing about the story of what Hashem did and how it worked out. Isn't he amazing? And thank you, Hashem. I love Hashem. If you don't really feel it, then you don't talk about it. But if you really feel it, Zeke, you point. Vanveyu. Anivahu. You imitate him. You emulate him. You want to be like him. You don't stop talking about him. You don't stop singing his praises. You don't stop singing his praises. The Nesiva Shalom, Salam Rebbe says, Quoting the Sefer Charedim, the Zohar, and others, that if you sing Shira B'chol Yom, then you experience redemption, you're going to guarantee to sing it in the world to come. Why does it say B'chol Yom? So, first of all, it fits perfectly with Arab Nachman. Every day, that day. Every day, there's a Shira for that day. Live that day, sing the Shira for that day. Slonimer says a different word. He says, everyone who sings Shira every day, there's some days it's easy to sing Shira. You're celebrating a simcha. You got great news. You got a promotion at work. You did phenomenally well in the stock market. You got a great lab report. You got a great result from the doctor. Sing shira. Skipping your step, big smile. It's easy. It's easy. 
But that's not what Chazal promised us. They described the person who sings Shira B'chol Yom. You don't just sing Shira on the happy days, the good days, the days there's clarity, the days it all makes sense, the days it all comes together. You have to sing Shira B'chol Yom every day. The good days and the bad days, it all comes from Hashem. And we all sing Shira. And we feel that sense of Shira. Az Yashir, why Yashir, not Shar, Tchias HaMesim, not Torah. Oy, so much more to talk about, but I want to get to a specific Pasuk in, in the Shira. First of all, what does it mean? Hashem Ish Melchama, Hashem Shema. Hashem Ish Melchama, Hashem Shema. God is violent. He's the God of violence, he's the God of war, he's the God of battling. What does that mean? Many of the commentators throughout Jewish history were very troubled by this. Sforno says, even though he at times appears as a man of war who destroys enemies, he's predominantly Hashem. Even though it appears Hashem is Milchama, no, Hashem is Shemo. It appears that way, but it's not who he is. The Barbanel is a different idea. He reads it. Listen to the way the Barbanel reads it. Hashem Ish Milchama? No, Hashem Shemo. Is Hashem a man of war? No, Hashem is his name. It's a question and an answer. Can Hashem be a person of war? No, Hashem's essence is love and mercy. His essence is love and mercy. Hashem ish milchama. Nibar Benal says, what's the root of the word milchama? Lechem. We spoke about this. We gave a talk about the Jewish approach to eating and food. We talked about lechem, milchama, because eating is a battle. Not for some. For some, they're blessed to not have to fight that battle. But for others, for many, for most, every time you sit to eat carbs, lechem, it's a milchama. It's a battle. It's a war. It's a war. But here the Barbanel says it in the positive. Hashem, Ish Melchama. Hashem is the one who provides the lechem. Hashem is the one who gives bread. He sustains us. He provides for us. Hashem Shemo. So all kinds of interpretations on this beautiful Pasuk. Hashem, Ish Melchama. Doesn't mean yes. It means that sometimes HaKadosh Baruch is quiet. Sometimes he goes to war. Sometimes you see. Sometimes you don't. It's beautiful. Sforno, the Barbanel, and many other interpretations as well. The Hitziv has a beautiful insight. Not for now. Let's keep going. The end of us, Yashir, I want to get to. Micha mocha bo'ilim Hashem. Micha mocha bo'ilim Hashem. Who is like you? Micha mocha bo'ilim. Bo'ilim means among the celestial beings, among those who are mighty and powerful. Micha mocha. Micha mocha bo'ilim Hashem. Who is like you among the Elim Hashem? Among the majestic and among the holy. Micha mocha. Rashi says... We're terrified to assess his greatness because whatever we say will be inadequate. So we just say, Micha Mocha, who's as great as you? Who's as great as you? The Ramban says he's great because of praises. We praise him. Rav Hirsch, all kinds of interpretations, but I want to tell you the Gemara in Gittin. Gemara in Gittin is describing the time that Titus Arash, the Titus, the wicked, came in and had the gall, the brazenness to perform all the most egregious crimes against Hashem in the Beis HaMikdash. Titus HaRasha who destroyed the Beis HaMikdash, unrolled the Sefer Torah and defiled the Kodesh HaKadoshim with a zona, with a harlot on top of the Sefer Torah in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. He stabbed the parochas. What he did, and you know what Hashem did? Nothing. It was quiet. It was silence. He did nothing. Kodesh Baruch was all-powerful, almighty. Kodesh Baruch without any effort whatsoever, could have ended Titus could have stopped Titus, could have responded to Titus. But you know what he did? He was silent. 
The Chazal look at that and they say, don't read it, Micha Mocha Ba'ilim. Don't read it, who is as great as you, Hashem, among those who are strong. Read it, Micha Mocha Ba'ilmim. Who is as great as you among those who are mute? Ba'ilmim in Ilim is somebody who can't speak. Who is as great as you, Hashem, among those who are mute? Sometimes you respond and sometimes the biggest response is silence. Micha Mocha. It doesn't take strength to yell, to call names, to hate, to criticize, to threaten, to lie, to slander, to forge. That doesn't take strength. You know what takes strength? To stay silent. To stay silent is the biggest sign of strength. To be strong is to be silent. The willingness to stay quiet. To me among those who are insulted but don't insult back. Who are threatened and don't threaten back. To stay quiet. Vilim kalalai nafshisidom. We daven for it every day. Every day in our davening, we daven. Vilim kalalai. To those who curse me, nafshisidom. Let me stay quiet. Well, let me have the strength to stay quiet. It would be a weakness to enter the fray. It's a weakness to fight back. It's a weakness to respond and answer. The strength, vilim kalalai nafshisidom. Let me stay quiet. Atem tacharishun. Stay quiet. Michamocha bi'ilmim Hashem. Sometimes that person posted, they texted, they emailed, they wrote, they told your friends, they told you off in front of other people, and boy, could you put them in your place. What you know about them, what you have on them, what you could reveal about them, psh, boy, could you put them in their place. Quiet. Just accept the insult. The chariot of Hashem has four legs. Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and David. Why is David the fourth leg of the chariot? Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are the Avos, the patriarchs. I understand it, I get it. Why is David Amalek the fourth leg of the chariot? So Chazal tell us because of the episode of Shimi ben Gera. David Amalek was walking with his entourage. Shimi ben Gera cursed him from the sidelines. His entourage, those who were with the king, wanted to respond by killing Shimi ben Gera. The king's entourage could have taken him right out. David Amalek said, Shashdil, keep walking. There's nothing to see here. And Chazal said, because David Amalek had the strength of character. Because David HaMelech exhibited the true strength, which is to absorb the blow and keep on going and not respond. That's why he's the fourth leg of that chariot. That's our job and that's our mission. That's what it means to emulate Hashem. That's what it means to be strong and to show that strength. Okay, let's get started with the Parsha. We haven't even started yet. Let's get in a couple more quickly. Bear with me, I apologize. Vatikach Miriam. Hanaviyah. Perek Tezvav Pasachaf. Tezvav Chaf. So much more. Miriam Anavia takes out her instrument, and now there's a woman's circle. Rashi says, The righteous women of the generation, as there are in every generation, and I'll just point out this Rashi as I like to do, Rashi was not writing apologetics. When Goldberg in 2022, Tafshin Pei Bey says, The righteous women of the generation, so the cynics and the skeptics say, oh, really, this misogynistic uh, Goldberg and religion and rabbinic Judaism are offering defensive apologetics about the women, so we describe them as righteous, how condescending. When Rashi was quoting Chazal, they were not living at a time that they needed to offer apologetics. You know why they said it? Because it's true. Because it's what we believe. It's what we believe. I once gave a shir on, I called it, I think, Chazal's bias about women. And then the shir was a collection of 20 or so statements of Chazal where they're biased in favor of women. They knock the men and put down men and they talk about the righteousness and the greatness of women. 
2,000 years ago they wrote this, in a culture where their contemporaries believed that women were chattel. And they're writing about the righteousness of women and that only in their merit were we redeemed. So Rashi writes, These righteous women in Mitzrayim were so confident they knew Hashem was going to make it work out. They had a spine. They had confidence. They believed. They lived with faith. So much so that when they left Mitzrayim, you know what they packed? Way too many pairs of shoes. But also, but also, their instruments. They packed their instruments. If I'm the husband in Mitzrayim and we've got a moment to leave, and we're rushing. Kachatzos Laila. Finally, after 210 years of slavery, the little and the few items we have. And we're packing. Different families have different arrangements. In my home, I do the packing. Everyone lays their stuff out. I have a misora. My father's taught me. My grandfather at Loashalom at a grocery store had to pack properly. There's a, there's a methodology to it. It's very offensive. It's lost on this generation. Right, Dad? In Publix, they put the eggs in the bottom, not the tights. People don't know how to pack properly, how to pack a suitcase properly. It's like a game of Tetris, and people don't even know how to play. It's terrible. It's an avla. It's an absolute avla. So I pack. So here's, the, here's what happens. Again, I'm going to get in trouble later when I go home for being too revealing. But here's the conversation every time I pack. It's never a problem for me and Shai, but for others, every time I pack, really? This many shoes? You know we're going away for one night, right? You know we're going away for... This many outfits, this many shoes, this many... Really? So if I were packing and someone had their instruments, I'd say, Seriously? Seriously, the tambourine? Tambourine? You know we're running for our life right now, right? You understand that after 210 years, our slave death camp has been liberated, and we're running for our life, they're going to chase us. Seriously, the tambourine? So the answer, Chazal said, yeah. The women turned to their husbands and said, yeah, seriously, the tambourine. Because, buddy, while you're so nervous and worried and running for your life, I have the menuchas nefesh, the peace of mind and the serenity. I have the confidence and the faith to see that Hashem's got a plan. And even though right now you're afraid and right now you're living in fear and worry, I know that when we get to the other side, we're going to be singing and dancing. And you, buddy, you're going to be clapping your hands wishing you had an instrument to play. <laughs> but I'm going to have the instrument because I packed the tambourine. And you see, You see that the true tzaddik, Rashi describes these women that said, The righteous person has a menuchas ha-nefesh, shemachmas emunaso ha-chazaka, as a result of that, that, of that emuna, nishar menuchas ha-nefesh. You don't get rattled, and you don't get frazzled, and you don't get afraid, and you don't fight over what you pack. You have a menuchas ha-nefesh to know what you need, and to believe. Yeah, seriously, I'm packing the tambourine. I'm packing the instrument because there's going to be a time that we're going to want to sing and dance. So we're bringing it along. We're bringing it together with us. We're bringing it together with us. Muftachos hayuhanashim. The language in the Rashi is that the tzikarios of the of the of the door were muftachos. What is the word muftachos hayuhanashim? Muftachos. They were sure. How could they be so sure? Muftachos doesn't mean that they were sure. It means they were made to be sure. They were taught to be sure. What do you see from here? That they came from a Mesorah. This came from a Mesorah. So this beautiful Sefer, the Sitra Elyon. Sadly, I think we'll end with this, even though I had 15 more things to tell you. Ugh, so many more things to tell you. But the Sefer says, Muftachos, from the formulation of that language, they were Muftachos. What do you see? 
How did those women have the menuchas and nefesh to in that moment turn to their husbands and say, yeah, seriously, I'm tranquil and peaceful and serene and have peace of mind to know with faith and confidence that we're going to sing and dance and we're going to come out of this okay. How did they have that? Because it was a misora from their mother, from their mother, from their mother. This is our responsibility to transmit, not to transmit panic and fear and anxiety, not to transmit paranoia, not to transmit perseverating, not to transmit debilitating. Our misora is to transmit so that our daughters and granddaughters are muftachos. We transmit an aura and an environment and a climate, a culture, that when the going gets rough, we stay calm, peace of mind, confidence. Atiro, don't be afraid, it's yatsvu. Have a spine, have a backbone, pack the tambourine. Pack the tambourine! But did you hear what they said and what's gonna happen and where we're going and what we're gonna have to experience what we're gonna go through? Pack the tambourine. I have trust in Hashem, it's gonna work out, we're gonna be singing and dancing. And I'm gonna be playing the music because I have enough faith to bring the tambourine. What an insight, muftachos, from the Lashem, from the grammar, muftachos, they were made to be sure. How could they be made to be sure? Because that's what they were taught, that's their Masorah. What's the Masorah in our homes? Do our children and grandchildren grow up where what they've learned is? What's, what's the old Jewish joke about the telegram? Start panicking, more details to come? Is that the culture? Start panicking, more details to come. Or never panic. This Yatsvur is Yeshua Hashem. Stand up and see the salvation of Hashem. Be among those who are muftachos, the graduates of our home. Be confident and sure that Kosh Borchu and the Ribbon Shalom has a plan. See everybody tonight at 7 o'clock for an amazing program where we do our Hishtadlas. We have to do our effort for Israel, our brothers and sisters there, safety and security. Join us 7 o'clock. We have an amazing program. You do not want to miss it. It's not being streamed live. It will be recorded, please God, and posted. But the only way to attend live is in person. Join us tonight, 7 o'clock. Tomorrow morning, 10 minutes of meaning, living with Amuna, tomorrow night behind the Bima, yada, 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 yada. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.